Okay, so doing, we're starting the series straight out of Egypt. It's only going to be two weeks. Um, if I'd known what I'd known about it then when I wanted to do this that I do now, I probably would have made it a week um, because like there's a never ending list of claims about Egyptian beliefs matching Christian beliefs and Jewish beliefs and Muslim beliefs and that it all comes from Egypt. And there's this huge list of claims, but actually um, I can only do a small number today not because of time constraints, but because no matter how hard you find, try to find any of them, they don't, then there's no sources. So literally, it's the equivalent of me saying on the internet, on a blog somewhere, Jesus was a smackhead who took heroin. And I've said it, and then loads of people repost it, and that's all there is to it. There's no source. There's nothing historically speaking. So there are hundreds of different claims. And these are the only ones I could remotely find anything. Now, I wanted to do today like as a serious kind of thing, but I'm going to really struggle to do that today just because the more I looked into this, like it, it just gets really like, I, I'm not taking, I'm, I just want to be upfront. I'm not taking the mic today. I'm really not taking the mic. I'm reading to you what I've literally found. This is from the sources. So people have said this compares to this, but this is the source of the idea of how they've connected the two. And when you hear them, you're going to be a bit like, you're taking the mic, and I'm, I'm literally not taking the mic. So what inspired doing this series is like Jahazel's whole statement of like turning away from the faith, going on radio, posting loads of stuff. Jahazel spoke here before. Um, I love Jahazel. I've got respect for Jahazel. Before he stopped being a Christian, my love, my respect doesn't disappear. He's a human being. It doesn't change like that. Sadly, some people online have acted really stupidly towards him. Um, we're going to look at this. What this is, because I tagged him in something we were doing, because I let him know we were going to be looking at this at, at City Hill. And his response um, straight away was like, well, Egypt's not like the whole thing for me. So for him, he, he made clear it's actually far more connected to like the motherland. So just Africa as a general continent. Um, so I can't address that because that's a vacuum of literally probably hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of deities. Um, I, I, I couldn't possibly like bother and I'm not here to kind of refute, refute Jahazel but when we discuss this as a church after church one Sunday so many of us all had friends that now because the whole Egyptology thing had kind of abandoned the faith and were kind of believing some, some next thing so we're looking at this today now it's, um, it's, it's really weird so these are the kind of things so what happened is a number of really smart atheists jumped on this which made it really popular so a number of um, atheists that had quite a lot of political clout were using this as a point to go, well, actually, Christianity's claims aren't special. They're not unique in any way. Um, they've been ripped off by various religions down the years, and they would just throw it. So, like, I remember being at a party, and a friend of mine who's, like, really smart and a, and a really strong atheist threw this at me and just bang, 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 bang. I'd never heard any of it before. There's a reason I'd never heard any of it before. But that's, that's not the point. So you're sitting at the party, you're like, wow. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff. I'm going to have to check this out. And it catches you off guard. And for some people, they've heard this stuff and they've just gone, heard it and been like, oh my days, he's quoted and referenced. And they go, well, actually, in the book of the dead that was written, da 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 da. And then they list these various different things. Now, for a start, starting point, the book of the dead, as soon as someone says that, the picture in your mind is, like the Bible or like the Quran or like some other religious book, there is this canonized book of ideas that is agreed on that was a unanimous belief among the Egyptians. That's not the case. The Book of the Dead is literally that, a book of the dead. So when great pharaohs were buried, they were buried with little magical incantations that were written. 
and they varied from tomb to tomb to tomb. So there is no like one legitimate claim across them. And when they talk about Horus and saying Jesus is the main claim is that Jesus is like Horus, that there are parallels between the two, it's really difficult to, to argue and discuss that because they don't believe in just one god Horus. There were lots of gods they had called Horus. There was one prominent one, which is the one people mainly associate with. But their understanding was that the Pharaoh in life was Horus on earth. And then in death, he was um, um, Os- Osiris. So it gets really confusing. And then the views on that disagree. And then at one time, Horus is the big god and he's the, he's the, he's the boss. The next time, it's later on, it's Amun-Ra. And then it switches from Ra back to, it, it just goes around in circles and changes so much. So when you look at it, there isn't this concise unilateral opinion. And the Book of the Dead, um, when they quote it, it makes it sound like there was this canonized belief that they had. Actually, the only reason all of these things have been put together as one claim is through archeological digs, digging up these various different tombs, we've come to a position where we see unilaterally all these different information coming from these different grave sites and compile them together. Um, so the idea that the early church ripped off these beliefs, or the Old Testament ripped off these beliefs, is physically impossible because no one would have dug up the tombs to have these opinions because the Egyptians didn't have them kept in one place. It's only from the tombs that we've got this, hence the Book of the Dead. So it's only way after, um, in right, the 18th century, that this stuff started to get put together. Now, like, these are the different claims that are meant to be similar. There are hundreds more than this, there are loads. But these are the ones that you can actually find stuff relating to them to kind of actually have anything to say about. Otherwise, I would list, I'll be standing here literally talking about 100 different claims going, no source, no source, no source. Simon says, no source. Simon says, no source. Someone on the internet, on a blog said, no source. So I can't really do that because you guys would just throw stuff at me. So. We'll start with Horus and um, Horus had a virgin birth. So Horus had a virgin birth like Jesus. I'm going to read to you a somewhat abbreviated version of this. So please, like, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult stuff to read. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty out there. So Horus's mum is called Isis. Yeah. yeah. So in the same way that literally they've thrown this together as a belief system, you're going to see that I could make a claim that Horace's mum is the real founder of the terrorist organisation and it would have as much sources to back it up as their claims. And that's not even joking. So Isis, Horace's mum, is married to Osiris, which is Horace's dad. They were married. They were already married before he was born. So virgin birth goes out the window unless they never consummated the marriage for however many years as gods they were around before Horus is born. Now, Osiris is killed by Seth. Seth dismembers him, cuts him up into pieces. So he's dead and dismembered. And this is where um, his, his reproductive organs are thrown into the Nile, eaten by catfish, hashtag for realsies. No, this, 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 I, I know what you're thinking. Isis being a goddess, temporarily resurrects him, sticks him back together, makes a golden David Beckham, that is where our culture was influenced by theirs, and we call David Beckham golden balls, it's literally from this Egyptian story. Um, puts a golden one on him, she's then impregnated, and Horus is conceived. 
And I can see by your faces, as I read that to you, you're all thinking that is an exact ripoff of the Christmas story. I've preached that here many a times at Christmas. It is, it is you can't, you, you, when you put them side by side, you're just like, wow, that is exactly like the Virgin Mary. So basically, on the claims about Horus in ancient Egypt is that um, Isis, which is her name, um, was Mary. And she had an immaculate conception of Horus. They were married first. He was killed, cut into pieces. His bits were eaten by a catfish. Then a golden one was stuck on. And then she was... I'm sorry, like, I failed to see the, the Christmas narrative. But for many, this has been amazing truth that has shown how the Bible has stolen its roots from Egypt. I, I for one, am almost swayed by such solid arguments. Then we move on to baptised by Anup the baptizer. There is no Anup the baptizer. You can't find him anywhere. There's literally nothing about it. There's Anubis. And there was a ritual washing that took place with the kings of the pharaohs. But actually there's nothing to prove it took place. It was more like a spiritual cleansing that probably nothing actually ever happened. Um, it's, it, it's really that far, much of a reach. Um, we can't find any reference of Horus being um, baptised by Anubis or ritually washed in any sense. Nothing. So, another one. And, and this is the stuff that I found actual sources to. This isn't the, even the other stuff. I mean, I can't believe we're going to do a whole Sunday on this. Um, and then tempted in the desert. So Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Like, you're going to, this, this is amazing. When you look at the source for this, I mean, it's not as good as Golden Balls. I'll give you that, but it, it is up there. So Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Seth, who is the god of the desert, tried to kill Horus. So it's not in a desert, he's the god of the desert, and he tries to kill him. I want to suggest this morning there's a huge difference between tempted in the wilderness and attempted murder by the wilderness. <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. They are different things, people. Tempted and attempted murder. Not the same. Not the same. Legally speaking, like, I, I wanted to do this with a straight face, but the more I read it, the more difficult when I read the actual sources... You can even see them online. There's um, a website which has all the sacred documents of different religious beliefs around the world, all stored online. You can read all through it for yourselves. I know I'm abbreviating it, but seriously, tempted in the desert, attempted murder by the desert. I think they're slightly different. Then we move on to he healed the sick. Well, Horus is now poisoned by Seth. Him and Seth have a real like dispute going backwards and forward. He's kind of poisoned, some say by a a scorpion and he dies Horus dies so there's a resurrection story so that's definitely like Jesus well Horus dies as a child apparently Jesus wasn't a child he was in his, his 30s they're not, they're not similar he dies by poison because of Seth and at the request of um, Isis Thoth brings him back to life there is a moment a monument that is then created and the spell that was used by Thoth is written on the monument and they would take people to the monument to be healed I know that sounds exactly like a mobile Jesus who walked around Nazareth and different areas of Judea, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising people from the dead. It sounds exactly alike, if you ask me. I mean, how anyone could not see the similarity is beyond me. I mean, it's got the equivalent. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And then we move on to pass raised from the dead. And actually, so heal the sick. So raised from the dead is the next one. So Asar is meant to transliterate in the Greek language. When it's translated into the Greek, it's supposedly meant to come out as Lazarus. So Horus raised Lazarus from the dead. 
And when you read that, you're like, flip, they completely ripped this off. And when you're in a conversation with a really intellectual, well, I thought all my atheist friends that brought this up were really intellectual. I'm now starting to have my serious doubts about this. I mean, the science stuff they got locked down, but this really is hilarious. So, Asar transliterates into Greek as Lazarus. No, 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 no it doesn't. It, it, it transliterates as Osiris. And so, Horus is meant to have raised Osiris from the dead, if you take that literally. They put Asar there to throw you off. But wait a sec, Osiris is, was raised from the dead to be Horus's dad and was raised there by his mum. So how did Horus, who wasn't yet conceived, raise his dad from the dead to put his golden bits on to be conceived by the golden... And you start to go like, wait, even Back to the Future had an easier plot line. I, that is a circle that I, I, I don't understand. So that's raised the Osiris from the dead. So this is, this is incredible. Then he had 12 disciples. Now this one actually has proof. This one actually has solid, groundbreaking proof. Um, there are a couple of gods under him and a couple of humans that were under his rule um, that added up to, I think, eight, most people count it. But one guy called Gerald um, Macy said there were 12. And his solid proof of this is around the time in ancient Egypt, there is a mural made called the 12 who reap the harvest. And there's 12 in the picture. Osiris isn't, Horus, sorry, isn't even in the picture. It's made at the time that the belief of Horus was around. There's a picture with 12 people in it. Horus was deity at the time. He's got to have 12 disciples. Like, hashtag reach is... This stuff isn't a reach. This stuff is literally, you reach your arm out, you dislocate your shoulder, it keeps going, comes completely off your body, goes all the way around to New Zealand, and your arm is there and you are here. It is like, like, yeah, like, wow. It's, it's, it's incredible. But then we get to the one of all. This is, this is it, this is it. Because Horus was crucified all those thousands of years ago. So Jesus was crucified. So we've completely ripped it off, and Horus gets resurrected again. So, twice, which isn't the same as Jesus in any way, but... You know, whatever, even though it wasn't him, it was his dad that got resurrected there, so this is really confusing now. So, Horus is crucified, and there's solid evidence for this. There are images of Horus drawn with his arms spread out. So basically, Horus had Instagram, and had his arms out in a photo, and that's crucifixion. I'm not even, like, this is, this, these are the ones I could find sources for. Sources. This is the stuff with evidence. The other claims about Horus ripping off the Jesus narrative, I mean, I, I, I really thought when I came to do this whole Egypt thing, I really thought when I came to do this, I was going to be sitting down and I was going to be like, oh man, my faith is going to be shaken. I'm going to be spending days looking at this. I'm going to be like, really, depths of my intellect is going to be challenged. I have low level intellect. I'm going to struggle to refute this stuff. I'm a bit out of my depth here. So we've got, as a recap, we've got golden balls. We've got a baptizer that doesn't exist. We've got attempted murder in the desert. Somehow that's tempted in the desert. And it wasn't in the desert, it was by the desert. Healed the sick, there's a monument. Raised from the dead. Well, technically, Asar isn't Lazarus, it's his dad. So somehow he raised his dad from the dead before he was conceived, which is a, I've got him, it's up there. That's a pretty good feat, um, which actually wasn't him. His mum did that. He had 12 disciples. Well, no, he didn't. He just has a picture of the same dated period with 12 people on a mural. Um, so definitely, that's in the bag. And Horus was crucified. He's got a selfie with his arms out. That's literally it. 
that's it. That's it. That's all I've got for you guys. Um, so I actually read a lot of material to get that. I think I should be working with Lecrae at Reach Records because... But at least that was straight out of Egypt, so we'll take it. So that was that. So actually, if you're going to look at ancient history and um, the claim that Horus and the Gospels are the same, um, you're smoking something strong, like Arsene Wenger when they made that bid for Suarez. It's, it just doesn't, it doesn't, make any, it doesn't make any sense. But there was one video that I watched that actually, um, tagging it back to Jahazel, because I'm not saying these are Jahazel's beliefs in any way, I'm not. I haven't met with him, he hasn't said that. I'm dealing with this because when we talked about Jahazel, we found people who'd taken that on board. So this is because of that. So when any of you have a conversation like I did, where my friend sat me down and was like, bang, boom, kicked me in the nads thinking, that's it. Like, just remember this stuff. Please, whatever you do, above all of them, remember the virgin birth story, please. Above all of them. When you can tell them that one, it's... And then you can go like, do you really want to go for the rest of the sources? <laughs> they won't, because atheists are intelligent, so they won't want to talk about it anymore. So that'll be the end of it. But there was this big one that Jahazel did post on his page, which actually, when I watched the video, I was like, oh, crumbs. So they had this one where it was about Amun-Ra, which can be Amen-Ra, it can be an E instead of a U. And it, the source of this was to say that the reason we say Amen and the reason the Muslims say Amin at the end of prayers is because of Amun-Ra. And so it all tied into this one. And I watched this whole video and it had all these different um, guys with degrees on there talking about it. And I was listening to it and they put all this huge case together and it was quite a few minutes long. And you're like, wow, this is like, this is deep. This is deep. I'm like, man, I can't believe this. This is nuts. And then I finished watching the video and I was like, wow. Maybe they're, they're onto something. But then something inside me said, well, why don't you check out hieroglyphics? And why don't you check out the Hebrew alphabet? I've got books with the Hebrew alphabet and etymology about the Hebrew language at home. So why don't you have a look? So I did have a look. And um, forget the whole video, because I'm not even going to bring up the arguments they made, which were really good, that had me going, wow, that's incredible. Because it's completely pointless. Because that's Amun-Ra. So, Amen Ra, it should be with an E. We can use it as an E or a U. Amen Ra, Amen, same word. The only connection the two have in common is the English language which existed thousands of years later. That's it. It only makes sense in English. So the reason this is a new popular belief is because it only makes sense in English. When you go back to ancient Egyptian and their alphabet, you have similar letters to the Hebrew alphabet. Both of them start with the letter Alf. Both of them start with Alf, but Amen-Ra starts with Yod, and Yod is in the Hebrew. So if that starts with Yod, and that starts with Amen, etymologically speaking, there is an impossible connection. It's impossible. It's not even like, it's not feasible that they've come from each other, that while the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt, they were like, yeah, let's take on the deity. Like, if anything, when they were in Egypt, they had the exact opposite opinion. One of the things Moses says to them is he says, you've got my firstborn son Israel enslaved, God says to them. You've got my firstborn son, get your hand off my firstborn or I will kill your firstborn. You've killed a generation of my firstborn sons already. You carry them like this, you take your hand off, you let them go and follow me or I'm gonna deal with your firstborn son. And for them that was huge because Osiris or well, God Ra, 
Ra is God, and Pharaoh is the living embodiment of God on earth, which is a similarity to the Jesus story, God becoming flesh and blood. And then when God says that, what he's saying is, is he's saying, okay, I understand your religious system. Let me tell you something. I'm God, and you're saying that your firstborn son is the promise of a future of you and your power and the sign of your establishment. So God says, get your hand off my firstborn, because if not, I'll kill your firstborn. Basically, that translates to, in street languages, Ra got moved to blood. God steps up and says, take your hand off my boy, because I will move to yours if you don't. And the way the story ends, their sons die after they've already murdered, murdered um, a whole generation. And actually, not only they only murdered a whole generation of Hebrew boys, but actually they held a people in slavery, a people who originally were a blessing and stopped them dying for starvation. And they've forgotten about that. And they've held them in slavery for their own gain. And so when I looked at all of this and I thought about it and the conversations we've had about our friends and the things that I've seen online, I, I think, actually, I don't think any of the reason any of our friends engage with this belief system has anything to do with the belief system. Because I don't think Golden Balls is a very convincing story for anyone with half a pea inside their brain, even if it rattles around like my daughter's maracas. It, it, it doesn't have any intellectual sense. Like, you can say Christianity's got some whack stuff in there, but I mean, Golden Ball story is just, that is out of the stratosphere, like mental asylum, white jackets, men in white coats, all that stuff. So I don't think it's any of these reasons. So I started to think, well, what is it about? So then I started to realize one thing, obviously, Jahazel did post was he talked about the motherland. So it's much more of a, like an Afrocentric position. And then I started to think, well, why would you abandon Christianity for that? And I thought, well, maybe it's because of the fact of the way the church acted in the slave trade. I could dig that. Maybe it's then denying that the church had any involvement in the abolition of it, which actually the church did have a huge hand to play in that, especially in this country. Then I thought, well, maybe it's about the fact that although that's passed, today, churches aren't really speaking up about racial issues because racial segregation is still existing and we are still mugging everyone off and not just race, gender because apparently I'll be dead before my daughter would earn the same amount of money as someone that's male. I'll be dead before that happens. That's a government estimated um, survey based on how salaries have improved um, over the last couple of decades. And being mixed race, it probably doesn't bode well for either. But if you're, if you're black and you're a woman, but you know what's really funny? Is a lot of my friends are really smart and they make fun of Hebrew laws thousands of years ago. Laws that were invented for a people who were slaves, who had no idea about freedom, had no idea how to live, and were given a new hope and a new identity, and they laugh at that. Yet we've had freedom for how many years, and we can't pay someone the same amount of money because their skin colour or they're a woman. And you want to take the mick out of something thousands of years old? Ah, oh, sit down, sunshine, you're drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we can all have a laugh about something thousands of years old. That's great. Well done. You, after thousands of years of enlightenment, can look back at one law and go, that's irrelevant. Well, fantastic. I can look at today's law and go, you're taking the mick. Absolutely taking the mick. I can look at the Google tax situation and go like, well, don't even talk to me about the Old Testament yet. George Osborne, free flight, Super Bowl. I'd like to have gone to that. You know what I mean? Sold us down the river, didn't get our taxes, and then got the conservatives removed from Google search engine. Anything negative? Yeah, great. Great deal for conservatives, but what's he done for my nation? Nothing. So you can look at all that and think it's ridiculous. So I realised that actually a lot of this is to do more with race than it is to do with a belief system, because that doesn't make any sense. And then I started to think about Egypt, and I thought, well, 
Why are you finding comfort in Egypt? Egypt is the one nation in the history of the civilization that has managed to enslave an entire ethnicity. I can't think of anyone else that's managed to enslave an entire ethnicity and hold them completely, 100% as slaves. So you're going from one situation, which is racist and abhorrent, to, hey, I could school you and give you a degree on it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's the wrong place to go. And then it made me think, well then, the only reason you could choose this over anything else that's available is if you decided to do what Batman suggests. Because Batman says, to overcome fear, you must become fear. Which is like, to overcome obesity, you must become obese. I, I don't understand. To overcome racism, you must become racist. It's kind of like, yeah, great. Or, or, or not, you could just follow what Nelson Mandela did. You know, it's pretty successful if you ask me. Like, going out, forgiving his captors, turning the whole world upside down. Rather back that, to be honest. You could go with that. So I look at this and I see what you say when you believe this system and you go with the whole Afrocentric reason is, you're saying actually the only race that matters is my own. And actually I think that is, I think that sucks. I don't want to care for just my own race. Otherwise all I'm saying is I identify with my race above everything else and my whole identity is found in my race and nothing about me or about the wider society that I can engage with. I think that's really narrow and I think that totally sucks. What I buy into and one of the great reasons I buy into the Jesus story is found right at the end of the book when we switch our way to Revelation. And I believe it's in Revelation 5. There's, this, there's a new song that starts to get sung. And I'm just going to share the lyrics of this new song that gets sung in the book of Revelation. It says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God they shall reign on earth there will be a new earth and they shall reign equal in equality every race, every tongue removing every segregation coming together as one people bought by what? bought by Jesus' blood that the whole point of the gospel story is bigger than one tribe it's bigger than one people group. It is God being, flesh, being in the heaven in the form of God, becoming flesh and blood like one of us, but for the reason that he was slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language, people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign forever. That's what I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of something where we reign together. I want to be a part of something where we're together. I want to be a part of something where there's buy-in, where it's not all about me. I want to be a part of something that doesn't say, I am Egypt and I don't care how many of you die to build the buildings and the pyramids that we want. I want to be a part of something that says, let's build this together because we are one, because we are family, because we are united. And my prayer is that at City Hill in this coming year, together, we will build kingdom that isn't any one of us but him and together as a family and not just kingdom but our lives that we will input into each other that we will help build up um i'm going to pray for us today and then i'm wrap things up father i thank you that you haven't laid out something to us that is um actually yeah it is completely foreign and alien to us in so many senses we have a innate desire to put our agenda above all others. I thank you that you showed us a different way where you put us ahead of you, that you came down, became flesh and blood, died on a cross, rose again, that through your blood you would buy 
yourself a kingdom. You would ransom us from our slavery, that we would build something beautiful, something wonderful. May we each be a part of this fantastic gospel that transcends above our tribe or creed. May we this week encounter those that need your love and may need to have a new perspective in seeing that this is not any race, this is not any tribes, this is your kingdom and it transcends every segregation. In Jesus' name, amen.